The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. What does it mean to be present, to try and stay in the moment that you're in and not worry about the future or regret the past? It's something I've been trying to do for a long time. I'm Diane Ray, and I have always had questions about the big picture. God, life after death, spirituality, metaphysics, and what drives people to do what they do. And I like to ask them about it and learn from it. If you're a seeker like me, I hope you join me for some of these conversations on the podcast and be present with me in this moment. Hello, and welcome to the conversation today. So as I was getting ready for the conversation, I started thinking about one of my favorite movies, and it's called Harold and Maude. And I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. If you're younger, this is an oldie. It goes back to 1971. This is a movie starring Ruth Gordon and Bud Court. And I'm sure this movie would never be made today, but uh, it's a love story between a woman in her 80s and a 19-year-old man. And if you haven't seen it, It's kind of made it to cult status today. You should definitely check it out. So beyond the love story, it's also a story of choice and independence and joy. And there's one scene in the movie where Maude tells Harold that everyone can be a musician and that you just need to grab an instrument and just play just for the joy of it. So she throws him a guitar and they start dancing and he's just playing the guitar. And there's a great soundtrack by Cat Stevens. And one of the songs is, if you want to sing out, sing out. You want to be free, be free. So there's this whole thing. So why I'm even bringing this up beyond the fact that I love the movie is the reason I was thinking about this is the person I'm going to introduce you to today, she advocates the same thing, to fall in love with our lives, express ourselves as the artists that we are, to live joyously and be our authentic selves. So my guest today is Shireen Sun, and she's an artist and creativity coach And she's on a mission to awaken our inner artist. She has a new book out called Radiant Wild Heart, A Guide to Awaken Your Inner Artist and Live Your Creative Mission. And she also has a blog and a podcast. And you can find out all about her at her website, radiantwildheart.com. And I want to welcome her to the conversation. So thanks for joining me today, Shireen. Hi, thank you so much, Diane. I'm so happy to be here and I'm excited to chat with you. So I was looking on your website and you say that you want to make creativity accessible to all. And this is a mission that I can totally get behind 100%. So I know a lot of people, and I'm sure you've come across these people too, that they believe they have no creativity or talent whatsoever. So how do you start with people like that, with that kind of resistance? Mm, 
Yes, thank you so much for asking me this question. Resistance is the perfect word to describe what comes up when we're wanting to express our creativity. I relate to those people so much because I've struggled with my identity as an artist, and that's why I was able to write this book. All my life, what I really wanted was to be an artist, but I grew up in a world where I don't think the arts are valued as much as they should be, even though it's what makes us fundamentally human. The arts are the first things that get cut in schools. Growing up, I was told that the arts shouldn't be a priority. Um, my parents really wanted me to be like a doctor or a lawyer, but none of those things really lit me up. So my journey to the arts has been very challenging because it was what I always wanted to do, but at the same time, I had so many limiting beliefs, so many inner critics that made me afraid after a while to express myself. Um, eventually, I went on to become an art educator because I saw the power that the arts had on me to do better in the world. I actually was a very poor student before I realized that I love art. I would get D's and F's when I was growing up. And then I started studying the arts and I started taking my academics seriously. I started finding something that I was good at. I believe that creative thinkers are often not, they're kind of left behind in the school system. So I would just say, because in my journey of exploring the arts for my entire life, I found that everybody loves creativity. It's everyone's favorite thing to talk about, to think about. It's our favorite class in school. It helps us in so many ways. And as I was in my um, art education training, I got to learn all of these statistics about what happens when you fuel a child's art education. Everything improves. But most importantly for me, it's just helped me find something that matters to me. And that's why I talk about the creative mission which is something that I feel like I invented and it's where your creativity and your purpose and your impact meet. So I believe that we all have a creative mission. And just as you said, it's not just about the visual arts, but it's about how we are viewing the world. Are we connected to, to our artist selves? Because that artist self is in everybody. Um, I was an elementary school art teacher. And so I saw that journey of children coming into school and being so wild and expressed and free. And then eventually those inner critics started to kick in around second or third grade. And we start to get more self-conscious. We start to care what other people think about us. And a lot of times we experience little fractures and wounds where somebody in our life might make a comment that hits us in what I call your sacred creative wound. Um, and so when we don't tend to those wounds, then they kind of stay there forever. A lot of adults are still walking around with those creative, sacred creative wounds. And when we start to give them some attention and some love, they start to heal. And then we realize that there's actually a lot of benefit and joy and healing in just showing up to be creative, no matter what it looks like, no matter um, what anyone thinks about it, but just because it's healing for us. Well, you're so right about creativity and the arts being squashed, you know, in schools early on. And that, and that's such a tragedy. It's so sad. And I think that's where that comes from for those people that are saying that they're not creative. And I, I agree with you. I think we all have that creative ability inside of us, 
but that we have preconceived ideas of what that word, quote, creative means. You know, it isn't just the person who can paint the beautiful mural or the amazing musician and, and all those people are fabulously creative, but it could also be, you know, someone who is a, a wonderful writer or is a great person uh, as a leader, you know, someone who can gather people together, make them feel comfortable. Like there's so many other ways to define creativity, right? And that was one of the things that I took from reading through your book is that it's not just our preconceived ideas that we need to cultivate those other creative avenues that we have, right? Absolutely. And I love that example that you gave of how somebody is as a leader, or how you feel in their presence. Writing this book, it was really fun to force myself to explore all of the many ways that there are to be creative and to be an artist. And I think even for myself, I struggle with drawing. That's always been a pain point for me that I don't feel like I'm that great of, a, of an artist when it comes to drawing. And so I've always felt like, well, then I'm not a real artist because I can't draw, I can't paint. I think a lot of people feel that way. But there's so many ways to express your creativity. You just gave some really good examples. Every single thing we do from how we parent our kids to how we live our lives to every single decision and choice we make is an opportunity to be a little creative, try something different, follow your heart, listen to what's coming through and take action according to it. So when you start to think about it that way, it becomes so much more fun. I feel like a lot of times we accidentally suck the fun out of creativity by letting our inner overprotectors, which is what I've renamed your inner critics, letting them steer the ship. But when we don't fuel those voices and we realize that they're separate from us, they're just trying to keep us safe. They're trying to protect us, but it's not the truth. The truth is that your creativity is fun. Um, feeling that joy, feeling that adventure, feeling that inspiration, that's what makes us human. And so I think everybody yearns for that and we can do that in so many different ways. So that when you look at it through that lens, there's no excuse why you shouldn't consider yourself an artist. Right. The world just opens up. I'm, I'm thinking in particular of, of one good friend I have, and she's the one that will always say, well, I'm not creative. You know, you're much more creative than I am. And then I always say to her, you know, you are one of the most organized people that I've ever met. You can walk into a room come into my office, she'll organize everything, a table, you know, she just has a great eye. And, and she doesn't think of that as being a creative skill. And I, I just feel like, you know, hopefully maybe she'll listen to this and, and see that in that herself. Have you said that to her? Yes, said I, I've said it many times. And what is her response usually? I think it's, she just will put up some resistance and there'll be some fear. And that was the other thing I wanted to, to ask you about is the fear of the perfectionism thing. Like, well, I'm not going to attempt to draw because all I can do is a stick figure. It's not going to be good. People will laugh and ridicule me. So why even do it just for the fun of it, you know, just for taking out some watercolors. And even if you're just throwing it on a piece of paper and, you know, or finger painting or whatever, you know, I think we have this perfectionism thing that, well, I'm not going to try it if I can't be perfect at it. Absolutely. I struggle with perfectionism for sure. There's so many very good reasons why we develop these wounds. And at one point they served us very well. 
a lot of times, and I have people in my life just exactly like how you're describing, who insist, absolutely insist that they're not creative, they can't do it. Usually what I do in those situations is I just have a, a stern conversation with them where I'm like, well, look, you're doing this and this and this, and that's creative. And hopefully they can hear that. I think this also goes back to what I was sharing about like anecdotes of being in the classroom and children starting to get more self-conscious. It's because we're thinking about what everybody else is going to think about what we're creating. We're creating it with the judgment, the fear of judgment in mind. So in that way, we're, we're not actually being all that creative because you're not listening to your own inner creative voice when you're doing that. You're thinking about what everybody else wants and you're going to try and create something that's aligned to that. So my solution to that is to take that aspect of the equation off the table altogether. This is not for anybody else. Nobody ever has to see it. It never has to see the light of day if you don't want it to. This is for you and this is for your healing. So I use creativity as a way to self-actualize, as a way to um, hear my own intuition more, as a way to figure out what my next move should be, just figure out how I'm really feeling about things. I use it for self-exploration. And that's very personal. It's like a part of my personal practice. Like some people do yoga, some people meditate. I believe your creativity can fall under that same self-care wellness practice. And the more you let yourself just have fun and be in the moment and listen to what you're feeling and express whatever comes out, who cares what it looks like, who cares what it sounds like, you're just playing. But that play is where amazing things happen. And another thing, you'll hear me talk about having fun a lot, because I believe if you focus on having fun and being in the moment, a natural byproduct of that is that it's going to be something that other people may feel is fun because that's how you felt when you created it. A byproduct of you being in the moment is that you create awesome things. So it's a practice. It's another practice. Just like we fall off of our yoga practice or our meditation practice, you fall off your creative practice. There's really no benefit to anybody to be self-critical and to um, continue to say negative things that reinforce this idea that you're not creative because why would you do that when your creativity can literally help you with everything? No matter what your work in the world is, you connecting to your creativity is only going to make you better at it, a more enjoyable person to be around, a more interesting person to be around. There's really no downsides um, unless right. you're constantly telling yourself that you can't do it, in which case, just like with anything else, you're not even going to want to start because it's not fun. Right. I, and I love the journey that you take people on in the book because it is fun. I mean, I had fun reading it. It's very experiential. There's some fun exercises that you walk people through. And the first one, so I wanted to talk to you about this. So one of the things that you share in the book, so the book is four sections. And the first one is how we uncover our creative mission, you know, and finding out what that means. So I took the elemental archetype personality quiz and I love taking these quizzes that are in magazines and things like that. So this was fun for me to do. Um, so I had some questions. I'm sure a lot of other people uh, might've come up with this outcome. So I had a mix of two where I had a tie, you know, between Perfect. two elements. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of people come up with this as well. So I came up as a healer guardian. I'm like, Hmm, okay. Well, that, that made sense to me. I so, love that. It's answering the questions. It was fun, and I would have never maybe thought of myself as a healer. 
I could see maybe the guardian, like I'm, I'm the big sister, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest of three. So I've kind of been that role. Uh, so it, it's interesting. It really brings up some questions that you can ask yourself. So how did you come up with this particular quiz and these categories, like the healer and the guardian? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. I can talk about the categories and I can tell you what I think the healer guardian means for you as okay. well, which you want to hear first. <laughs> tell, okay, <laughs> tell me, I'm curious. Tell me what healer guardian means. <laughs> For me, when I, just this little bit that I know about you, the way that I would see that you're a healer guardian in the world is through this amazing podcast and platform that you've created. You are protecting the art of podcasting and you're holding that space and encouraging other people to step in and share their voice and gifts through podcasts. And so that and those podcasts are specifically spiritual podcasts, healing podcasts, podcasts about mindset and things that are healing people. So I see you as protecting and holding that space. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's your creative mission. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, and then the other categories, how did you, how did you come through, you know, with these specific ones? Yeah. Like there's mystic. So I forget some of the other ones. There's mystic. Well, first I'll just share that the quiz, I had a lot of fun making the quiz. So I encourage everyone to go check it out because the, the questions are silly and they're lighthearted and they're fun. And then what you get from a result of that quiz is your elemental archetype. Your elemental archetype is your unique way of how you manifest your creative mission. So the way I came up with this is through just working with more and more wild hearts. Like I've worked with, I've been doing this for seven years in this iteration of Radiant Wild Heart, but lots of creativity stuff before that. I've helped a lot of people find their artistic voice, express themselves, move through the blocks, share it, get paid for it sometimes. Um, so I've sat through that process with so many people. And I also know how many people are feeling this yearning for their purpose, for their divine purpose and their creative mission. And it's a longing people feel. And they're, I believe that people are, a lot of people are searching for it. And that's what has us feeling a little bit unsettled in our day to day. So as I worked with all these people year after year, and I did this process on myself as well, I started to see that there are certain patterns. There's archetypes, in my opinion. And I've always loved personality quizzes, first of all. I, we love a personality quiz. And the elements are just the ones that I connect with the most easily. The elements exist in so many different spiritual traditions and goes back all across the world, ancient times. People have been working with these same elements. So I started to notice those patterns went along perfectly with the five elements that in the past is what you would do alchemy with. You would take something and you would transmute it into something else, something even a lot of times more valuable, more magical. So I started to play with this concept and just describe what the archetypes are for each of these elements. And you'll see that those elements perfectly correlate to strengths and challenges as it relates to your process of finding your creative voice of actually breaking through those blocks and sharing your gifts and also gives you some cues into what kind of 
gifts you're here to share. Like there's the air archetype. If you want me to just quickly run through the archetypes. Sure. The yeah. Yeah. Let's okay. share that. Okay. So we'll start with the top. By the way, if anyone is interested in this, I have a free course you can check out and it's called the Spark Your Movement Challenge. It's five days long. I go through everything. It's completely free. So that's sparkyourmovement.com if you want to do that. Um, so I put these in order of manifestation. So when you manifest things from the top down, when you go from the bottom up, you're setting intentions, you're reaching enlightenment. When you go from the top down, you're actually bringing something from the ethereal realm into earth, which is where we exist. So that's when you really make something tangible or when you create it. Um, so we start in the ether that's above your head. The ether is where your spirit team lives, guides, ascended masters, plant ally spirits, everyone invisible that's been supporting you. They're up in the ethers. And then we could move into the visionary, which I would place around your throat chakra. Um, that is where you speak your truth. That is also the visionary. The air is very collective minded. It's where your values are. It's where you care about the world around you. And things are starting to take a little bit more shape. Then we get into the fire. The fire is the sacred rebel. And that is your ambition that is your drive to make a difference. That is that energy that just keeps things moving. It's the passion. Um, and there's also downside, not downsides, that's a wrong word. There's challenges for each of these archetypes. So like the fire, for example, when you burn too hot, sometimes you burn out. Other times you burn bridges. And these are all things that the fire teaches us or that the air teaches us. So we can really study these elements and see what they're showing us about ourselves. Um, and side note, I believe we all have all of them inside of us. We're a little alchemy. The ones that you have are the ones you're most dominant in, but you can play in all the other ones to bring out different parts of yourself and to create different um, combinations of who you are. So we went to the fire. Next up, we've got the water. That's in between your hips, second chakra. And this is where your creativity is. Actually, if you're looking at the actual chakra system from ancient India, this is where your creativity would be. This is also where your sensuality would be. This is where your emotions are. are. When you are like when you're moving through the waters, oftentimes that means that you're feeling the waves, you're feeling heightened emotions, you're being sensitive. So this is all what exists in the second chakra. Um, and then, of course, there's challenges to that. So, for example, when people are too in their emotions, sometimes we can get very stuck because we don't take action if we let our emotions, our ocean of emotions overtake us. Um, so there's challenges. And when you know what those challenges are, you can start to work with other elements to break through into different places. And then last but not least, we've now moved downwards. We're in the second chakra. We're going down into earth. And the earth is where things become tangible. It's where you actually create something in this reality that you can touch and feel. The qualities of earth, they're very grounded. They're very reliable. They're very stable. The challenges of being dominant in the earth is that I find that earth people have a lot of perfectionism because they want things to be to such a high standard before they actually let it be seen. Um, and so sometimes they can get a little stuck for that reason, or it may take a little bit longer to get them moving because 
they want it to be at such a high standard, in my opinion. So that's just a little overview of all of them. And if you want to dive deeper, you can do the challenge. You can read the book. There's a quiz right in the book and you can find out who you are or which ones you're dominant in. And then each chapter will have a little spread in the end of it that talks about how that chapter relates to your specific archetype. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe, Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's so interesting. I love archetype stuff and personality stuff, family of origin. Like all, I'm interested in all of, all of those things. You know, what makes people tick? why they are the way they are. And you're right. Like we, in looking over all of those archetypes, we do have pieces of all of those within us, you know, it's just what, what's more dominant. Now, another interesting sure. thing that I found in, um, in section two, I thought this was interesting because you're talking about awakening our inner artist and discovering who we are and what we stand for. And I think that a lot of people make these decisions based on, what their family thinks or what society thinks, what, who am I and what do I stand for? Right. And I just think it's important that you're bringing this piece up because I think a lot of people are just kind of blithely going through the world, you know, not really knowing what they stand for, what they believe in. So what do you think are some of the dangers of that, of not knowing, like not asking yourself those questions? Mm, yeah. So my, my entire artistic creative career has been around helping people to find their creativity. And before I had Radiant Wild Heart, the platform that I have now, I was often going into communities and I was bringing creative experiences to people who maybe did not have access or were disenfranchised from it, um, supporting students who lived in South Central Los Angeles, uh, supporting people who were out of being incarcerated for long, long times and were just getting out and living in group housing, um, children in the foster care system, just all sorts of people who my main MO with creativity is for healing. And that means for myself, yes, but then also for the world around us. I don't think that that's optional at this point because of the state of our planet. And I feel like 
if you need another reason for why you need to step it up and explore your creativity, it's because we need you to be a part of the solution. We need you to create your own little version of a solution that addresses the things that matter to you because we all have things that shape us, that matter to us. Doesn't have to be a huge thing. Maybe it's just helping one person learn how to do one thing or who knows what it is for you. But I think that we all have a way that we can put our creativity into purpose to help our world as a whole. And if everybody does that, then we're going to have a lot more interesting solutions. We're going to have a lot happier people who care about the world around them. And I just think, again, I think we're searching for that. I think so many people want to do fulfilling work, not just, not just go punch to the a clock. Job. Exactly. They want to know that they're helping someone. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like change your whole career, but maybe it's just some other aspect that you've secretly in your, your inner artist has been crying out for, but you haven't been able to hear it because you've been so focused on what you think everybody else thinks you should do. Right. We're so worried about that, right? I mean, the good news is, I think just in my experience, as you get a little bit older, you kind of let go of your need for approval as much as you did in your 20s and maybe so much more into your into your 30s. You'll, as you get older, you won't rely so much on that. And then also, I think like the the younger generations now that I mean, thankfully, all of my horrible experiences weren't plastered all over social media. You know, I got to go to, through high school and, you know, those early years and make mistakes and it didn't have to come back and haunt me. You know, thank God. I don't know. Some things might come back. Who knows? But I mean, we're in a different world now. Right. You know, and, and people have those those pressures and stress. Mm -hmm. But the other, the other thing that I liked about what, what you're sharing with creativity is kind of pairing it with service, right? And as you, as you step into your own and you explore your creativity, you'll want to share it with others. You'll become a better person. Hopefully maybe like you said, one small thing that you're going to do might have that ripple effect. Like we all, we all have the ripple, right? We're, we're all just like little pebbles. And when you throw and it in the water, become- it all goes out. Yeah, you become an agent of change and who knows what that looks like for you, but maybe someone will have a conversation with you just like Diane, you shared in the beginning that you have that friend who who maybe needs a little bit of creative awakening themselves and by you embodying your creative mission, you don't even know who you're going to inspire. You may not even have to do a whole lot, but move throughout the world embodying your creative mission. And that will be so inspiring for people that they'll open up to their inner artists a little bit more too. So yeah, there, there's so many people who have this creative wound still from whatever, wherever it came from. And if we can all help each other to break through just a little bit more, then I think we'd have a much more inclusive world. We'd have a world where everybody is free to be themselves. There's so many good things that will come from that. I just think creativity is like the master power healer above everything else for everybody. It can be. It's it's magical. I mean, you see it and you feel it when, you know, if you're at a museum and you're all looking at this beautiful piece of art and everybody's just in awe, you know, and, and you can tangibly feel it, or you're all at this amazing concert and everybody's just vibing to the music and they're all happy. And it's, 
you know, it, it's magical when you can feel that. And I can see where that's definitely healing. You know, we need that more in the world. So what you're saying is so important. And I, I like the piece that you're sharing as far as it doesn't have to be a big thing. Like some people are afraid of, you know, quote, leadership or being the leader and the boss or and it doesn't have to be that defined, right? You know, Absolutely. or it doesn't have to be the big gesture of, all right, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to volunteer at the animal shelter and that's all I'm going to do, right. you know, and, and that may be in your heart what you want, but it's not practical sometimes, right? So it can be there's little an, things. Yeah. There's an assignment in the book to call up a couple of your friends and go have tea and have a conversation about they're what they're inspired by, what they're excited about, what is what are they wanting to create? And I've been doing this for so long that I know that when you ask that question to anyone, everybody has a creative dream. And there's just not enough space where we get to actually explore and share what it is. But there's so many ways that you can be of service. Maybe it doesn't have to do with talking to other people at all. Maybe you're, I have a friend who is creating a type, a new type of material out of a sea urchin that's actually toxic for the environment. So it's like such an interesting way to come up with a creative solution in the world that she's in. And she's not necessarily talking to lots of people. She's creating this thing that is going to benefit the world in some kind of way. Who knows what that is? The It's very open-ended. And I just like to be curious because I have seen this process and I'll be working with someone and they're one person and then I'm, I continue working with them six months later. There's all these new things about them that I never knew. I'm finding out so many new things about them that they're actually feeling more comfortable to express because another big aspect to this is that just you being your true self is helps you be a role model for younger people who maybe didn't don't have that kind of example. So I feel like we need more representation. And when you're creating your art and eventually sharing it when you feel comfortable, um, then you're going to be that representation for somebody who needs to hear hear it from somebody just like you, because maybe they relate to you in one way or another, something that maybe you're self-conscious about or don't usually share could actually be medicine for somebody else and you wouldn't even know it. We don't realize that, right? It's so interesting. I remember for a long time I did um, the radio show with with Dr. Wayne Dyer. Some of the listeners of this podcast I, I've talked about, you know, they know. <laughs> they know about this part of me. And even every once in a while, I get this random email that someone found a particular show that Wayne was talking about something and he would say, you have to write that book. You have to do this. And they'll say, hey, I just wanted to let you know, I took that advice. <laughs> you know, I read that book. So even like years later, that little ripple from that little radio show touched some random person and they mm. did decide to do what, you know, Dr. Dyer suggested, so cool. do this, you know, and it is so cool. And I love to get those random little nuggets every once in a while. I'm like, yes, there are miracles. Yeah. So. I, I want people to really like embrace this because this is such a fun concept and, and I love that you're talking about this and I want people to let go of that inner critic and the overprotector that you were talking about and let people embrace the whole process, including the mistakes or what we call quote failures, right? Because not everything is going to work out or be the great thing. I mean, you described this beautiful painting you, you did of a sunflower and you ended up tossing it in the dumpster. 
Yeah. I How sad. Why did you do that? <laughs> you know, I have a bad habit of throwing away my art. I wrote this book because I needed it the most, maybe not the most, but I have a history of doing that in my artistic career where um, so, some things that I really actually deep down liked, I was so engulfed by the feeling that people wouldn't like it or that it would feel like I would feel ashamed of it if they saw it or I don't know. There's so many things that go into my own personal secret, sacred creative wound around people seeing my truth and expressing my truth and the vulner vulnerability of that. So I always think about that painting and I still do need to recreate it. But <laughs> I share a story in the book where I'm working hard on this painting and it's late at night in my dorm room. And at first it was going well. And then all of a sudden I hated it. And in that moment, I actually went out to the dumpster and threw it away. And then I missed it after that. So I would just say when we're in this emotional process, we're really in the waters. Like at that point, I was very much in the watery aspect of my journey. And we're not always thinking and seeing things the most clearly. A lot of times we're our own harshest critics. So I talk about inner overprotectors in the book. There's a lot more than just one. So the fear monger is the first one. And they have really cute character drawings also that my friend Jesse made. Um, but there's a bunch of them. I think there's maybe 10 or 11 in there for you to explore and to connect with. And they're sweet and they're cute and they're innocent and they're just trying to help you. But sometimes we don't even realize that they're there because we just kind of shut down as soon as we start to feel those things. There's a lot of ways in the book where you actually get to explore your relationship to your inner critic, talk to them, ask them what they need, and just not let it run your life as much. Right. And we can learn from it. And that's an interesting way to take a look at that voice mm. that can sometimes be so harsh, right? Right. But the reality is when you think about amazing artists, they're just in there, they're creating, they're creating, they're creating, they're not judging. Every once in a while, they'll stumble upon something that then they proceed to continue forward. And who knows what percentage of those very small number are the ones that are the ones that are well known and masterpieces. But we don't see that whole iceberg underneath of what it took to get to that one piece. And what it took is a lot of trial and error, a lot of exploration, a lot of failures, a lot of mistakes, a lot of course correcting. But the reality is that everything can be fixed if you need to. I, I think that a work of art is not done until you're just, you're done. You feel like everything on it, you're enjoying it and it's fine. Um, and if it's, if you don't feel that way, then it's not done yet. So you might just need to take some space from it and come back to it. And when you do come back to it, you might realize that those mistakes or the unexpected moments are actually the most interesting part of the piece because from there you were able to go in a whole new direction that in order to try and bring it back to see something that you liked, that it's going to be so much more interesting. Things that are perfect are boring and predictable and you don't actually want to be perfect. <laughs> so that's not, that's not what makes amazing art. What makes amazing art is just your presence, the whole process, everything, everything up to that point, including the meltdowns, this is all part of your creative process, and there's no shame in it. But as soon as you can learn that all mistakes can be fixed, and mistakes are where you grow, mistakes are a good thing, 
failures are a good thing because it's always happening for you. And it's always opening up the door to something way more magical than you could ever expect right now. Just don't be so hard on yourself and enjoy the process, including all the mistakes. Not one of us, any human being out there is perfect at all. So your, your message is so needed now. And I think the energy around after everything we've experienced over the past two years, and you see people, you know, coming out of this whole pandemic nightmare, which I think there's always going to be change from that, right? Nothing will ever be exactly the same as it was before. But I think what it gave people was the permission to explore. Do I really want to be sitting at this desk? Do I really want this job? What does my heart say I should be doing? And your book is the roadmap to give people that permission to really do that. So now that your baby is out in the world, Shireen, (laughs) your baby's out there, what, what do you hope? Like, what would you say to someone that they're in the bookstore and this book, which a lot of times has happened to me, falls in my lap of something that I should read? Um, what would be the message? Like, pick the, pick the book up and run with it. <laughs> so I think that the message, if you pick the book up and run with it, is exactly what we were just talking about, that you're able to separate the voice of your inner overprotectors from your own actual creative expression and that you're able to allow yourself the permission slip to be free and to explore and to try new things and just to break free from any boxes that you have and find out who you really are underneath all those expectations and whatever else may be there that keeps you from just being freely self-expressed and fully self-expressed. I hope that this book helps you get liberated from those things so that you can see the artist that's really under there and what that artist may have to say in the world. Because I think that you're needed, your voice matters, and we need your contribution, whatever that is, in order to create the change that the world is needing so desperately right now. So we're calling you forward. And... There's really nothing to lose because you're just going to feel so much better when you don't have these inner overprotectors running the show anymore. You will. You'll feel so much joy. This book is so fun. I really love it. And I wish you a lot of success with this. I I hope people are going to choose to be more creative and rise to the occasion, you know? And uh, like in the words of Cat Stevens, if you want to sing out, sing out. If you want to be free, be free. Do it. Yes. So How I want to send people to your, would that be? <laughs> yes, it would be more fun. So I want to send people to your website, radiantwildhearts.com. I'll have all the links and everything and links for the book in the show notes here for the podcast. I want to thank you, Shireen, for being a guest on my little humble piece of the internet. And also encourage everybody, if you like this podcast, please leave a review, like and share on all podcast platforms and check out all the other amazing, fabulous podcasters we have as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. I would appreciate it. And thank you so much, Shireen. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation and I so appreciate getting to get creative with you today.
I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.